Okay. Good evening and welcome everybody to part two of Do It Yourself Shabbos. And we're going to move on to the next stage of Shabbos now. We looked last week at Friday night. And so this evening we're going to graduate to Shabbos morning. And I say graduate because it is a step deeper into Shabbos on Shabbos morning. Friday night is like the intro, the opening act or the opening event that you're holding for Shabbos. And Shabbos morning is jumping into the next step and going into the Shabbos mode even deeper. Uh, Friday night is perhaps more familiar to people. Uh, You know, many traditional homes will do a Friday night dinner and, and maybe even go to shul Friday night. Shabbos morning is already a sign of a little bit more commitment. Uh, uh, taking Shabbos a bit more seriously, not just doing the cultural Friday night thing, which is beautiful in and of itself, but actually observing Shabbos. That's what Shabbos morning is. And so those who are there on Shabbos morning, who come to shul, who will have a Shabbos lunch and who participate in Shabbos at that stage, it means that you're, you're more committed to Shabbos. And it works in reciprocal as well. The more committed you are to Shabbos, the more Shabbos does for you. The, the more it enters into your consciousness, the more it affects you and impacts you. Friday night is always beautiful. But when you go to the next stage and, and do the Shabbos morning full experience, so then you're taking it to a new level, a new level of, of rejuvenation, of spiritual relaxation and connection. And uh, this is something that, that we experience simply by doing it. But it also does take a certain amount of effort and of planning. Just like we said about Friday night, that Friday night is an event. So Shabbos morning is your second event. And that also takes a certain amount of planning, uh, the right focus and mentality and attitude. And again, because of our current state, things are starting to loosen up a bit. We can move around a little bit and maybe start to connect and uh, socialize on some level, but it's it's still limited. And uh, I think to develop this skill of keeping Shabbos yourself internally is really what the aim of this discussion is. And it's relevant now, and I think it'll be relevant also when, God willing, all of this falls falls away and we go back uh, to interacting and going to shul. The experience of doing it on your own will make the experience of doing it together with a community far deeper. Because sometimes when you're in community, when you're in a crowd, so you go along with the crowd. When you've learned to do it on your own, when you're able to do it on your own, then when you go back to the community, you're not just following the service, you're participating in the service. You've led the service yourself. You've done Shabbos yourself. And so now doing it with everybody else, you're leading. You're not just, you're not just following, you're not just going along. And so I hope that uh, that's what we're going to achieve by this, uh, this little discussion. We spoke last week about the different stages of Shabbos compared to the different uh, elements of creation. And I'm going to start uh, sharing with you my screen. If you recall, we went through the four stages of Shabbos being the four elements of creation. Friday night is fire, Shabbos morning water, Shabbos afternoon air, and Havdalah, the end of Shabbos going into the week, is going into earth. And just to briefly recap, the Friday night energy is a fiery energy because it's extremely energetic. It's, it's dramatic. 
you're going from weekday into the day of rest, into the day of holiness. That jump, that impact is one that has some friction to it, which creates fire, warmth, heat, and energy. The, uh, the, the drama of getting everything ready on Friday, getting back from work, getting out of your weekday mode and into the Shabbos mode, that drama is quite passionate, fiery, energetic. And so Friday night Shabbos hits us and we have the candles lit and we sing the, the songs, we have the meal, and the energy is a fiery light, uh, very powerfully spiritual time. Shabbos morning is a complete shift. You've had an, a nice, hopeful sleep during the night, uh, and Shabbos sleeps uh, are always more powerful than weekday sleeps, and um, particularly when they're during the sermon in shul. Uh, but uh, when you don't have that, so then you have to do, do that at home. So once you've woken up in the morning, um, Shabbos morning refreshed after your Friday night, and it's still Shabbos. You've had Friday night, you've slept, and it's still Shabbos, like you're still in the Shabbos. So now, so now you're going to the next stage, the next level of Shabbos. We're going up higher in Shabbos. And Shabbos morning energy is compared to water. There's a few reasons why it's compared to water. The difference between fire and water, they're two opposites. Fire is hot, water is cool, naturally. Um, fire is, is energetic, and whereas water is calm is calming. And so the Shabbos morning atmosphere is a much calmer one. Friday night, we've rushed to get everything ready. And it's amazing how it doesn't matter how long the Friday is, if it's a summer long day or a winter short day, it's always a rush to get everything ready for, for Shabbos on Friday. Always there's last minute things because we've got that candle lighting we spoke about last week, which is the cutoff. You've got to, you've got to get it all done by then. It's always a rush. And you sort of rushed into Shabbos. By Shabbos morning, you've, you've eased your way into Shabbos. You've had the night, you've had, you've had your sleep, you're waking up in the morning and experiencing Shabbos fully. And so by, by doing that, on Shabbos morning, you're getting into the cool, calm atmosphere of Shabbos. The true, deeper relaxation of Shabbos is coming in, on Shabbos morning. The prayers, the prayer service, which we'll speak about, is a longer service, a calmer service, not as intense as Friday night. Friday night is a fast-moving service. Shabbos morning is a is an easy, slow, uh, more stretched-out type of service. You're not as as rushed. You don't. You're not as limited in time. the The atmosphere is a, v- a very cool and relaxed one. And so, this is something to try and align with as you're going through the Shabbos. Is to align with these different energies. The Friday night is the fire, and the Shabbos morning is the water, the cool. Uh, water. So we're going to make a schedule now. Remember, this is event number two of Shabbos. Friday night was your first event. Shabbos morning is your second event. We're going to try and develop a schedule for that, a schedule for Shabbos morning uh, for, for your event to allow this water energy to come through and to be experienced fully. So this is what you'll need. Just like for Friday night, you need stuff in advance. There are a few things you need in advance for Shabbos morning. Some of them were included already in last week, but I'm going to go over them a little bit again. But this is specifically for your Shabbos morning. Um, you're going to need breakfast. That seems obvious. Uh, you need, you, breakfast is good every day. But Shabbos morning, you need breakfast particularly. Um, there's, there's even a, a halachic reason why you need breakfast. It could be that 
the program that we're about to share with you is going to take you quite into the middle of the day, into the early afternoon. By the time we go through our program, we'll see it's quite a full morning and, and you'll be eating lunch after it, but that will be after quite a process. And you're not supposed to fast on Shabbos. You're not supposed to be starving hungry on Shabbos. It's important to eat at the beginning of the day. Now, when I say that, it is a... Um, it is a, there, there, are, there are different opinions about eating before, before saying prayers. Some people are very strict not to eat in the morning until they've said their morning prayers. However, on Shabbos it's different because the prayers are longer and, you'll, and if you wait till after the morning prayers, you'll be eating very late and you're not allowed to fast on Shabbos. It's important to eat breakfast in the morning. So whatever your favorite breakfast is, you can have that for Shabbos. My kids have Shabbos breakfast, which is different to weekday breakfast. There are certain cereals, maybe a little bit less healthy, but they're allowed as a special treat on Shabbos. Uh, you can do that for yourself as well, to have a special breakfast if you want. Uh, whatever it is, something to energize you in the morning. And I'm mentioning breakfast as well, because for those of you who are coffee drinkers or caffeine addicts in their various forms and levels, so... To have coffee or tea on Shabbos, you do need to have your hot water urn prepared before Shabbos. We spoke about it last week, but I want to mention again that having a hot water urn that was turned on and boiled up before Shabbos and continues to boil over Shabbos, you're allowed to take hot water from that and make yourself an instant coffee or a, a cup of tea. Uh, what you're not allowed to do on Shabbos is cook, and that includes heating up hot water. That is also cooking, taking cold water and heating up to make it hot water. That is a form of cooking. And so even if you have instant hot water, an instant tap which gives you hot water, you can't use that on Shabbos because that is actually cooking. As you take out the hot water, cold water comes into the, the tank and gets heated up on Shabbos itself. That's cooking on Shabbos. You can't do that. A, an urn is a container of water. As you take water out, no new water is coming in. You have to make sure you have enough water for the entire Shabbos and and an urn is permissible. Um, there are some other, other technicalities about making coffee and tea on Shabbos, which we'll save for another time, but, uh, but that's just one important thing to note. So if you're a coffee drinker, make sure you, get, you can get urns very cheaply, uh, and they usually last about a year and then fall apart. So next, uh, the other, other things that you need to have in mind uh, before Shabbos, to prepare for Shabbos morning particularly, is a book of Jewish spirituality, or a printout. I'm going to share with you some links. So if you don't have a book uh, for this section, you can print things out uh, as well. And this we'll see is important, specifically a book of Jewish spirituality, and we'll, and we'll talk about it why a bit later. You need a siddur, a prayer book, uh, which I'll also share with you a PDF of an entire prayer book that you can print out. And that is uh, important for the, for the morning service, the prayers that we're going to say. You also need a chumash. Chumash is the five books of Moses, uh, the, a book of Torah, or parasha printout. You can get them printed out, and again, I'm going to share with you the link. Uh, but not just a chumash with the parasha, a chumash with commentaries on the parasha. One of the beautiful things about the Jewish literature is that there are layers upon layers upon layers. And you can get a translation of the Torah reading, but that's not enough. You need a translation with commentaries, and we'll see why as well. I'll share with you everything you're going to need for that. 
So if you have a chumash at home with, with, with the actual book with commentaries, that's great. If not, I'll share with you a print, something you can print out. You're going to need also for Shabbos morning, particularly a hot plate or a crock pot. We, we touched upon this last week, that to eat hot food on Shabbos, it has to be cooked before Shabbos and put on a hot plate for the duration of Shabbos. You cannot heat something up on Shabbos from its cold state. Uh, that is considered cooking, even if it's been cooked already, but from cold to hot, that is a form of cooking. It has to be on a hot plate, which is, a, which is an electric plate plugged in and that stays at a, an even temperature for the entire time, or a crock pot where you've cooked it before and it continues cooking during Shabbos. This is an extremely important part of it. Now, you can get away with doing Shabbos without one of these. Uh, you can just have cold food, but we'll see that that is not ideal. Uh, and, and we'll see why a little bit later. So if you, if you can organize yourself a hot plate or a crock pot, that will be uh, preferable. You need wine or grape juice for Kiddush. We don't only make Kiddush on Friday night. We make Kiddush during the day as well, before, before the day meal. And so you need some wine and grape juice for that. And you need two chalas uh, for the lunch meal as well. Two entire loaves of challah. They can be mini loaves if, if, if you don't need to eat so much. Uh, they could be any two rolls really but uh, two chalas are needed for the meal. This is basically what you need in advance to have prepared for Shabbos day. Okay. Let us move on. This is your program. This is, this is the program for the morning that you're going to be following to make the event happen. The first thing is breakfast, then in-depth study and meditation, at the prayer service, the parsha reading, kiddush, and lunch with a parsha discussion. And discussion here isn't, even if you're on your own, uh, we all know how to talk to ourselves and to discuss with ourselves. Um, it's, it's one of the hallmarks of being Jewish is that you can even argue with yourself and disagree. So the, the, this is the steps. The, we, what, what are six, six, six uh, different stages of, of the morning program from breakfast till lunch and everything in between. Let's look at each one of these individually at what your program is going to consist of. The in-depth study of the morning. Now, the idea here is this is, the, I, I skipped breakfast because that, that we spoke about. You've eaten whatever you, want, you, you need to eat. You've, you've satiated yourself. You've got some energy and strength. Now we're talking about the, the spiritual energy of creating an atmosphere for Shabbos morning. Before prayer, one should meditate on the loftiness of God and the loneliness of man and how the soul can bridge the two. This is, this is a, an important concept in Jewish thought that you can't just fall into the prayer service. You have to prepare yourself for the prayer service, particularly Shabbos morning, when we have a bit more time. During the week, we pray every morning, but it's a little bit rushed because we've all got our, our daily obligations. On Shabbos, when we're in a state of rest, uh, a soulful rest, the prayers that we're going to say is a big focus of the morning. But getting into the right mindset before the prayers will make those prayers much more powerful. That the prayer should not be just a, 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 an exercise in reading, in, in reciting, in, in page turning, but it should be an actual spiritual experience. And to do that, you need to do some study, meditation, and preparation beforehand. Now, what I'm referring to here 
the type of study I'm referring to is to study some of the mystical, deeper side of Jewish thought. There are some fantastic books available that I can recommend. There are fantastic websites, which I will, I will share with you, which share in, in simple English, in clear English, very profound and deep ideas, mystical ideas. The, the loftiness of God and the lowliness of man means to, to appreciate the divine presence in the world and how we physically are really quite insignificant. But we have a soul, and that soul connects to the divine, and therefore our soul has infinite power. Because like God is infinite, our soul, a piece of God, is also infinite. And studying ideas around that, around that concept, it takes us out of our um, weekday mentality, weekday way of thinking, and we go into a much more spiritual mode. This is to connect particularly with the water energy of Shabbos. It's interesting that the mystics say that fire and water represent emotion and intellect. Fire is similar to emotion, water like intellect. Why? Fire is energetic, is passionate, and is a bit volatile. Similar to emotions. Emotion is our passionate side, excitable side of us. Water is cool and calm, like our intellectual side. Our intellect is cool and calm, calculated and thoughtful. And so the Friday night energy is more of an emotional connection an emotional energy, an excitement, and a, and a love, whereas the Shabbos morning is a little bit more intellectual, contemplative, and cool and calm like the water. And so to start the morning off with a contemplation, with a meditation, with a study, where you're looking into deeper deeper ideas, it will get you into, the, into a beautiful mode, and it will transform the prayers completely. So some people... And I'm sure some of you have done meditation before and may, maybe have your own meditations. There's a lot of beautiful Jewish meditations that you can insert. So you may have practices of breathing or relaxation or, or, or calming the mind that you already do, which is a general sort of mindfulness thing or, or whatever that may be. To add to that a layer of, of Jewish meaning, of spiritual meaning, there are s some guided thoughts that you can have written and, and there are videos on them of them where you can start to bring some, some Jewish content to that meditation. It's not merely about relaxing your mind. The relaxing of the mind is to then fill your mind with holiness, with higher ideas. So for some, some of you, some of you relate to meditation very well and that's, and that's what you're into. So you can do it that way. There are others who uh, are less into meditation, more into intellectual sort of study, reading and reading ideas. And that's fine as well. In fact, from a Jewish perspective, that's considered a different type of meditation. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a clearing of the mind and, and a focused meditation on, on a concept and idea. And there's also filling your mind with ideas and being surrounded by an idea and immersing yourself in it. So if you're more that bent, more, more, more that the, the study type rather than the meditative type, that's fine as well. And you can read some really in-depth ideas that transport you to another world. Uh, some of you have experienced this and, and have done this. We do it in, in, when we're in shul on Shabbos morning. We have a class where we do this type of thing. So you'd know, you'd know what I'm talking about um, from the Jewish perspective. And if you haven't, it, the idea is to, to really enter into a world of thought that, that broadens your horizons. During the week, we are caught up 
in, in our everyday mundane life. And as it should be, that's what life is, is we have to work and we have to uh, change light bulbs and take garbage out and maintain the house and, and get uh, the, the car to the mechanic and whatever things we need to do during the week. Our mind is, is occupied with all that, it is filled with all that. And sometimes we don't see the bigger picture of life when we're in those, the, that state, that weekday state. Shabbos is about taking a step back and seeing the bigger picture. And the best way to do this is through mind study, through, through taking these ideas into the mind. And so this is how you have to start the Shabbos off. This is the beginning. This is the morning. This is, this is where we start it all. Uh, and that should flow from there, flow into the prayers, flow, flow into, the, into the next stage. Uh, by, by studying in depth and then getting into the prayers, you'll see the prayers will be completely transformed. Let's look at the prayer service now. Actually, before that, what I might do is um, I might check if there's any questions. I assume everyone can hear me now. Um, just remember, you can write in the chat if you have any questions. And, uh, and I will open at the end for discussion as well. Okay, so let's, let's now go to the prayer service. In shul, when we, when we have uh, services in shul, the morning service, in our shul we start at 10 a.m. We have a class beforehand at 9 a.m. So 10 a.m. we start the service, and we're finished by about 12.20. Uh, about two hour and 20 minute service. In most places, it's longer than that. Many places, it's longer than that. Our, our, our service is considered to the point. Um, some places go, go quite a bit longer. And, and in theory, some places could go quicker and, and you could go quicker as well. That's talking about a communal service with all the bells and whistles of a communal service. If you're praying alone, that same service... So even if you do the entire service, you read the entire thing from beginning to end, it would only take approximately an hour. Uh, the, the, when you take out the repetitions and the, the communal parts of the service, it's about an hour. But an hour can be quite long if you're not so familiar with the service to focus on your own. Just looking at the siddur, looking at the prayer book for an entire hour, that could be quite long if you're not used to it. If you are, so then it's a beautiful thing. There are songs you can sing with yourself and, uh, and the, the prayers you can connect with if you're more familiar with it. If you're less familiar with the service, you may not feel that you can open it on page one and go through you know, the entire thing, which is rather long. So what I've done here is I've given an abridged version of the service. Now, let me be clear that I'm not saying that what's not here is not important. And I'm not saying that, that, that this, is, this, is, uh, this is fine to just do this and to skip everything and not worry about it. What I'm saying is that in recognizing that not everyone is able to say the entire prayer service, this is a, a way in. This is a doorway to start saying the prayers. And over time, you could, you'll add more as you get more comfortable and more, more proficient in the prayers. Uh, it's... If you look over here, I've got here the morning blessings. Um, I've got the, the, the page, and the pages are here in the blue Chabad Siddur that we use in our shul. 
Uh, I will also send you a PDF of the entire Siddur, which has these same pages. So to start off with the morning blessings, the, the prayer for putting on the talus, which you do even if you're at home, and then Baruch Sha'amar, Ashra Yishtabach, these are uh, preliminary prayers, and then the Shema prayer, which is really the most important of all prayers. The Amidah is the silent prayer that you, you stand for. And then after that, reading the parasha, the parasha of the week, which we're going we're gonna to talk about in, in depth, what that, what that is about. And from there, there's the Musaf, the additional prayer, and Aleinu, a conclusion. That, if you read this, even if you've never read it before, if you're reading it in English, or if you're able to read in Hebrew, that entire service, I would say, would be more like half an hour uh, for most um, and that's that's taking your time and, and, and going through it. It's it's not it's not as much uh, reading, and, and the parasha would take a big chunk of that. So the actual prayers would probably be 15, 20 minutes of, of prayer. Now, the reason I'm I'm offering this, uh, you know, in in shul we would not abridge the service like this, but I would tell you that if even if you are in shul and you and it's hard for you to keep up with a long service. So this is the skeleton of the service. This is like the, the, the basics. And if you can master these parts of the service, so then you will, have, you will be praying a, you know, a, a, a basic uh, morning prayer and you'll be able to graduate to more as you go along. So that's, um, that's something that, that you, can, you can apply now when you're alone. And see, see if you can go through that level of prayer service and, and if that's comfortable. I mentioned either English or Hebrew because you can do either English or Hebrew. You're supposed to understand what you're saying. Prayer is not a pr practicing Hebrew reading. That you should do it another time. Prayer is connecting to God. The idea of all prayer is that at some moment during the prayer, you should feel somewhat of a connection with the creator, with the divine source of all. And that's what we're trying to do during prayer. And that's why it's so hard. Prayer is, I think, the hardest practice of Judaism. Uh, keeping Shabbos is easy compared to praying a good prayer. Because everything else we, we do in, in, in Jewish practice, there's a certain point to it. There's something trying to achieve. We're, we're learning something. We're doing a mitzvah. When you're praying... The purpose of it is to put yourself aside and make space for God. That's really what we're doing when we're praying. We're, we're like opening ourselves up to, to the divine, that, that our, our soul should be connected to God. Not through doing something, not through achieving something, not through studying something or learning something, but merely through praising, through recognizing, through reciting the words that God has given us, where we're bringing God into our life. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, we like to be in, in control. We like to assert ourselves. And here we're actually putting ourselves aside. That's what prayer is. And so if you've done the previous meditation or the study that we spoke about before this stage, if you've done a bit of spiritual study, that puts you into a mode that where the prayers, they flow a little bit more. You get into a bit of a, a zone during the prayers. Uh, as opposed to just eating breakfast and going straight to the prayers. If you, if, you, if you do it this way, where you've studied a bit in the morning, and then you say your prayers, so it'll be taken to a whole new level. And, and I guarantee you that the, the prayer 
there'll be a point where something in the Siddur will jump out at you. In all of these pages that I've offered you here, it might not be the whole prayer service that turns you on, but there'll be something, there'll be some line that you resonate with, that it, it, it captures you and dwell on that. When you get to that, that line that, 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 that touches you, dwell on it, think about those words and, and allow yourself to be taken by it. And you'll actually start to enjoy prayer for prayer, for what it is. And, and that's, I think, a very big achievement, but something that is completely attainable. For, my, for many of us, prayer, and, and I, I can even speak for people who grew up praying every day, who grew up in religious homes, who are fluent in the prayers, and who read it all in Hebrew. It's still extremely hard to connect to when you don't have this spiritual mindset to it. To it. And whereas if you do, the prayers actually just, they get switched on. There's, there's, there's something, something major that happens. So my, my prayer is that my prayers and your prayers should, should reach that. And that will happen if you turn yourself on through the, through the meditation beforehand. Uh, I want to speak a little bit about the parasha, reading the parasha from the Chumash. Um, have I got that on? No, I'll go here. Yeah, one second. Parasha reading. So... The par- reading the parasha is a part of, I, of the prayer service that I, that I put in there. But it's really a separate thing. It's really a different thing. It's not praying when you're reading the parasha. Uh, as one of the Hasidic masters put it, when we're praying, it's us talking to God and reaching out to God. When we're reading Torah, it is God speaking to us and reaching out to us. So in prayer, we're, we're lifting our soul upwards to try and connect. In reading the Torah, in, to- in Torah learning, God is reaching down to us and we're listening. We're students listening. Uh, and so the Torah reading part of the service is a bit of a shift in energy, a shift in, in focus in the middle of the service. Uh, the parasha of the week is the Torah portion. The Torah is, is divided into five books. And those five books, each one is divided into parashas. A parasha means a portion, and interestingly, they actually sound quite similar, portion and parasha, that there are different portions of the Torah. There are actually 53 parashas in the Torah, and every Shabbos, one portion of that is read. So at the beginning of the year, just after Simchat Torah, we read Bereshit, the beginning of Genesis, the first portion, and we go through the entire book of Genesis, we then go to the book of Exodus, then the book of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the five books of the Torah. But each week we do a little section that, uh, of, of that in, in, uh, in sequence, in, in order. The idea that this week, this is the parasha we're reading, is not just a calendar thing. It's not just, well, it happens to be that we've divided up the Torah into this way, and so it happens to be that that's what we're reading this week. No. On a spiritual level, the parasha of the week is this, the spiritual energy of that week. You can find the story of your week in the parasha. You can find what's going on in your life in the parasha. If you study the parasha deeply, you'll find messages that relate to specifically what's going on in your life right now. How can that be? The parasha was written many thousands of years ago about events that happened many thousands of years ago. How could it be talking about you today? 
And we read the same parsha last year and the year before, but the, it wasn't the same thing going on last year and the year before. How could it be? The Torah is divine. It is God's word. It is God's message to us. And so what God has put in the Torah is every person's story and something that relates exactly to you exactly now. And so uh, one of the, the great Hasidic masters, uh, Rabbi Shnei Zalman, the author of the Tanya, he said that you have to live with the times, which he meant you have to live with the parsha. But living with the times doesn't mean just living with what's in the news. It means look at the parsha of the week and live with it. Find yourself in the parsha. Now, that's not always easy because the parasha is telling a story of the Israelites going out of Egypt or traveling in the desert or whatever it may be. It may have a list of commandments. It may be talking about sacrifices that were brought in the temple. It, on the surface, will often speak about things that have very little or no relevance to our life today on the surface. But the surface is only the surface. You need to dig deeper. And that's why I said earlier, you need a, a chumash or printouts with commentaries on the parasha that you'll be able to scrape beneath the surface and go deeper and, and look into what the messages are. There are several different types of commentaries. Some commentaries are there to explain the text, to make you understand what's going on in the parasha. Other commentaries are to make it personal and to find the spiritual message in the parasha. And we need both. We need to understand what the parasha is saying. Then we need to understand how it applies to us. I'm going to share with you a lot of resources to, to make this happen. But this is how you have to study the parasha. And so as a part of your morning service, you need to have the parasha in the language you understand, in translation, if, if necessary, with commentaries in your language that you can read through, read through as much of the parasha, in preferably the entire parasha, and then dwell on a few bits and pieces. Go into something, and you're not going to have time to study the entire parasha in depth. That would take more than just the Shabbos to do that. Um, what, I'll give you a, a, a link or a PDF to the parasha, for example, this week's parasha, with a translation and commentaries, all in English, but it's about 64 pages. So, now, admittedly, half of that is Hebrew, so maybe it's 32 pages, but still, to, to read that entire thing will take a long time. To actually go in depth into every commentary, that will take a long time. Most of us may not be able to do that every week, but what you can do is read the entire parasha in English and go into a couple of commentaries, a couple of things that grab your eye that you're interested in. The way I recommend you do it is read it through, in the English, just, just the, the, the parasha itself, the, the verses of the parasha, and come up with questions. Come up with something like, what does that mean? What, what, what's, that, what's that about? Then look into the commentaries to see if it explains it, and, it, and usually it will. And if not, just make a note of your question. Uh, sometimes you'll be able to come up with an explanation by thinking about it. Sometimes the commentaries will, and sometimes you won't be able to come up with an, a, a, an explanation, and it won't be found in the commentaries that you have. And you may need to delve deeper. Uh, and so for that, maybe you have other books. Maybe you can ask me after Shabbos a question on the parasha. What does this mean? What's going on there? And some things, you won't get an answer immediately. But the study and the asking the questions, is that is the point. It's not, the point is not always getting the answer. The point is to study and to question and to ask and, and to keep the question. So the way you should read the parasha is 
Accept every word as being, this is God's message to me. This is God talking to me right now for my week, for my life at, at this moment. That's what the parasha is. Ask every question to understand what is it saying? What does it mean? Can I apply this to myself? How does it apply to me? And how does it make sense? Look into the commentaries and, and into, into the various different uh, explanations that have been offered on the parasha. And some questions will remain. There was, there's a saying, one of the great rabbis said that nobody ever died of a question. It's okay to have a question that you, don't an, that you don't have an answer to. Sometimes there are things in the Torah that are confounding, that are confusing, that seem to be contradictory, that seem to be weird, archaic. Uh, sometimes they even seem to be immoral or wrong. How could the Torah be condoning this? Or how could a, a great leader of the Jewish people in the Torah have done such a thing? We have questions that are valid, good questions. You may not have an answer immediately, but you won't die from having the question. Have the question, but accept that this is the word of God and the answer may come later. I've had this personally in my, in my experience many, many times where I've, I've had a question of something in the Torah for years and I've just kept it on the shelf. And in my studies, I come across things and then one day, years later, I come across an answer that's completely satisfying and makes total sense and, 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 and completely answers the question. But it took years to do that. Never, never reject the, the holiness of Torah because of your question, but also don't forget your question. Keep your question because the question arouses curiosity to find an answer. This is the way we have to study Torah. I want to share with you um, something else. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, what I'm going to uh, send to you as well. An example of the parasha with commentaries that that I want I want you to have a look at. This so this is this week's parasha. Bechukotai. Um, it's actually a double parasha this week. Bahar bechukotai. It's two parshas read together because there are fifty three parshas and there are not fifty two weeks that we actually read the, the Torah, um, the parasha of the week because festivals come and interrupt. So therefore, we sometimes double up parshas. This is a page that that you uh, can hopefully see of the beginning of the second of the double parshas of this week. And it's got on the left side there, it's got Hebrew, Aramaic, it's got Rashi, which is, which is the primary commentary, but that's in the Hebrew. If you know Hebrew, you can use that. Uh, but on the other side, it's got the English translation on the top. And on the bottom, it's got Hasidic insights and commentaries. So the, the advantage of this particular one uh, which was produced by Kahas, the Chabad Publishing Society. What's amazing about it is the translation is not a translation. If you look in the translation, you see there's bold and there's not bold. The bold is literal translation of the Torah. The not bold is adding what the commentaries have said to make sense out of the words of the Torah. So there's a little bit of paraphrasing there. It's not merely a literal translation. So that, that it makes it much more readable. But it also stays true to the original. If you look, the, the bold is just a translation of the Hebrew words. The not bold is the elaboration to make it clearer. Uh, so you can read through uh, first the English at the top. You can read through the entire parasha. And then some questions might come up. And then if you pop down to the bottom of the page, the Hasidic insights underneath. So there it, it, it will bring up some spiritual questions. And things that you can think about and how does this apply to me and what does this actually mean on a deeper level? 
and you'll find some wonderful insights here uh, that will bring the parasha alive. And, and, and so I'll, I'll be sharing this with you so you can print it out before Shabbos and then um, and utilize it. Okay. Um, let's go. Okay. So I'm just going to go back for a second to just show, show us where we're up to. So our prayer service started with the morning blessings. And just parenthetically, it is preferable to say the morning blessings before you eat breakfast as the, as the very first thing that you do. Um, and then you can, um, after the morning blessings, have your breakfast and then continue with the prayer service as, as is written there. The reading the parasha is sort of in the middle as a little interlude. And then you, you conclude with the end of the prayers as printed at the bottom there. Okay. Now, we finally got to Kiddush. Uh, so, depending on how long you delved into the parasha, uh, it is possible for, for you to... Um, one second. Um, it is possible that you won't want to... Um, you, you won't want to spend too long on that. You might be getting hungry. But you could really lose yourself in reading the parasha. But like I said, the prayer service with the reading of the parasha, I would say half an hour, 45 minutes, you're pretty much done, unless you really wanted to extend that and expand that further. So um, depending on what time you woke up in the morning will depend on how uh, hungry you are and if you're ready for lunch at this stage. If you've had a nice leisurely morning and you've had your, your breakfast you know, quite late, then you did your meditation, mystical study, then you did your prayer service, you delved into the parasha and you finished the prayers. So it might already be one o'clock uh, and you, you, know, you had breakfast maybe at nine uh, or eight or whatever it is and you've, you know, you've actually, the whole morning has gone, has gone by. Or it might be a bit earlier than that. You might be an early riser. And so you've, you've done everything and it's only sort of 9.30 or 10 in the morning and you've already completed all that. You're not quite ready for lunch at that stage. So there is, it is uh, one of the halachas, one of the Jewish laws on, uh, on Shabbos is that after prayers, you shouldn't eat or drink before making Kiddush. The first thing should be making the morning Kiddush, the Shabbos day Kiddush. And so you should, after the prayers, First, make that Kiddush over grape juice or wine. And one of the laws of Kiddush is that Kiddush must be accompanied with a some type of eating. The minimal, if you're not having lunch immediately after Kiddush, the minimal is to have a snack such as cake or crackers, some grain food. And by eating some grain food straight after Kiddush, that is, that is a, you don't have to make Kiddush again. You can have lunch later if you want. So again, if you've, if you've finished your prayers and your whole morning program has finished at 10.30 in the morning and you don't want to eat lunch now, so you make Kiddush now, have a little snack, and then you can do whatever you'd like. You can do a bit more reading, uh, you can, you can uh, go for a walk, whatever you might want to do, and then have lunch a little bit later. Uh, on the other hand, if you started later and you extended the whole morning program and it's already 12 o'clock, 12.30, 1 o'clock, 1.30, then you might be ready for Kiddush and going straight into your lunch. Now, lunch has a few important details to it. 
lunch, and it will be accompanied with the Parsha discussion. Let's first talk about the food, because the food is important. Just like you made a nice fancy Friday night, Shabbos lunch has to be an event as well. Not, not just a little challah and dip and then that's it. You've you got you to gotta have a little bit more than that. Uh, not just for the eating sake of it, but to, to make it into more of an event, into, into, into more of, of uh, an experience. Now, again, this will be different if you're alone or if you're with people. If you're with people, then there's the opportunity for more discussion and inter- interaction. If you're alone, so then it, it is more of an internal conversation as, as opposed to a discussion. But still, the lunch should be a bit of an event. I said two courses minimum. I'm not really making rules there, but uh, j- just it, it, should, it should be more of, more of a thing. So even if you have your, like I said earlier, you've got your chalas, two chalas. So you make kiddush, you wash your hands, you make hamotzi. And then with the challah, you know, if you have, have a few dips, a bit of fish, uh, some tuna or some smoked salmon, whatever it is, and that's your first course. And then you have to have a second course, uh, cholent, which we'll talk about soon. But in between the courses, the reason I'm saying two courses is because you have to have something in between courses, and that is the parsha discussion, the questions, the insights into the parsha. This, whether it is a discussion with another person or an internal discussion that, that you have yourself, but based on the reading of the parsha that you did earlier during the prayer service, to, to then go into it. If you're with somebody else, share with that person what you read and what jumped out at you in the parsha. Share the questions that you had, the things that, that you couldn't understand. Maybe the person who you're accompanying with, maybe they could have an insight or they can, have, they can, they, they, they can share their opinion on it. And it become a fascinating discussion. Uh, you can try and find what's the strangest thing in this, in this week's parasha. What is the most unusual thing that jumps out at you? Because something that jumps out at you probably has a message for you. The, th- the part of the parasha that you are the most challenged by, you're the most triggered by, probably has something that you actually need to hear. So look into that. Look into that stuff and share that with, with somebody else. If you're with someone, it's a fascinating way to do it. Another thing you can do is quiz yourself. This is a lot of fun, and I'll, and I'll share with you parasha quizzes. They have on Chabad.org every week uh, a little quiz. It's like a multiple choice uh, question, series of questions on the parasha. Test yourself to see how well did you read the parasha? How much did you actually retain? Uh, it'll be a very fun exercise to do on your own or with somebody else where you actually quiz yourself and see how much you remember. It's also a good way of remembering when you do the quiz and you see what you got wrong, you remember what you got wrong. It's a great way of teaching. So um, the, um, the final point on lunch is uh, chalent. Chalent is a Yiddish word of unknown origins, but it's an extremely important word. Because cholent is the special stew that we eat on Shabbos, which consists usually of potatoes, uh, sometimes beans, barley, some, some people do it with rice. You can have it with meat or without meat, with chicken or with beef. It can be vegetarian. It can be gluten-free. Uh, but the point of the cholent is that it is a stew that was prepared on Friday before Shabbos. It was cooked mostly cooked before Shabbos, and over Shabbos it was left on the hot plate or the crock pot and continues to cook, to slow cook over Shabbos. And you, have a, you eat it hot at the Shabbos lunch. 
Now, the reason why I put that on the menu is because there is actually a saying that is there in the box there. One who does not eat hamin on Shabbos is suspected to be a heretic. Hamin literally means hot food. Like ham is hot. And hamin the, in the Sephardi tradition, cholent is Yiddish. Hamin is the word that is used by the Sephardi community for their cholent. And this great rabbi of the 12th century in Spain, known as the Balamar, Rabbi Zachary ben, ben Yitzchak, uh, of Gerona, Gerondi in Spain, he said that if somebody doesn't eat chamin, if you don't eat chalan on Shabbos, then it's suspect, you're suspected of being a heretic, a non-believer. Why so? There's a bit of background to this. Some people might not like chalan. That doesn't make you a non-believer. Uh, what, what it's talking about here is a, a fascinating historical note. There was a debate amongst uh, two sects within Judaism in, the, in, in early times, in the times of the Second Temple and even earlier. There was a, a, a splinter group known as the, as the Sadducees. They were a group that rejected the rabbinical tradition of how we explain the Torah. Mainstream Judaism always had the written Torah with its oral explanations. There's what's written in the Torah, which is very brief, sometimes cryptic. And then there's the explanations of what it means, the elaborations of the written word, which is found in what we now have as the Talmud, uh, the Talmudic tradition, the Midrash, the various explanations of the Torah. That's, that was always mainstream Judaism. But there was a splinter group in the times of the Second Temple called the Sadducees. They rejected the rabbinical interpretations and they said, we take the Torah literally. What it says in the Torah we do without any explanation without any elaboration. That was, that was their, their belief. This led to, uh, to many divergences in practice, because really, if you read the Torah, if you read the parasha this week or any week, you will not be able to discern from there how to practice Judaism. I'll give you an example. Uh, we put mezuzahs on the door. Where do we get that from? If you look in the Shema, which is a quote from the Torah, it says that you should write them as a sign on your doorposts. So from that, we get the mezuzah. Now, that does not say what you should write. It doesn't say how you should write. It doesn't say what part of the doorpost, uh, which doorpost. It doesn't give any details. It just says a very vague statement. Write them, what's them, as signs, signs of what? On your doorpost, which bit of the doorpost. It doesn't say anything more than that. The Talmudic tradition, the, the, what was called the oral Torah, the explanations of the Torah, gave all the details that what you have to write is on a parchment these paragraphs of the Shema, and you put it on the right side of the doorway, uh, it has all the details. But that's in the oral tradition, not in the written tradition. So too with the laws of Shabbos. The, the Torah says, remember the Shabbos and keep it holy. What does that mean? Remember, remember what? Keep what holy? How do you keep something holy? It doesn't, it doesn't say any details whatsoever. In the Talmud, there's an entire tractate, a big, big volume of details of what it means to keep Shabbos and, and what, what the laws of Shabbos are and how you keep it holy and what you're not allowed to do. Uh, to say you're not allowed to do work, what does work mean? What's the definition of work? So that's the oral tradition. The Sadducees rejected the oral tradition and said, we keep the Torah as it's written. One point that they uh, disagreed with was that the Torah says, do not burn a fire in your home on Shabbos. Do not burn a fire on your home in Shabbos. The rabbis explained this, understood this as meaning, you're not allowed to light fire on Shabbos. That's the prohibition of lighting a fire. The Sadducees 
said, no, you're not even allowed to have a fire burning on Shabbos. Even if it was lit before Shabbos, you cannot have a, a fire burning. The Sadducees would have Shabbos in the dark. Even before electricity, the, on Shabbos, we had Shabbos candles Friday night. People had big candles that would even last for the entire night or for most of the night. So at least Friday night, you had light in the home. The Sadducees said, no, you're not allowed to have fire in the house on Shabbos. That's how they understood it. And so also the traditional rabbinical understanding of that was you can have a fire lit before Shabbos to keep your food warm. If it's cooked before Shabbos, you can keep your food warm on Shabbos. The Sadducees said, no, you can't have your food warm on Shabbos. You have to have cold food on Shabbos. You cannot light a fire before Shabbos that, 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 that stays on Shabbos. And so therefore the Sadducees never had challenge. They always had cold food. They never had hot food on Shabbos. So this is the source of what this, this, uh, this rabbi, uh, Ishari of Gurundi said, somebody who doesn't eat hot food on Shabbos, what, are you, are you one of the Sadducees? Are you, are you one of these heretics who, 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 who reject the tradition of, of Judaism? Now, of course, the Sadducees became extinct probably 1,800 years ago, and, and they're, 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 they're not a, a movement. There are individuals, by the way, who, who identify with them still today, but it's not a movement. It's not, it's, it, it, uh, Judaism moved on from that. However, there is an idea that eating hot food on, on Shabbos is a permissible thing to do, and it enhances the day, that you shouldn't just have lunch that is a, a secondary, second best lunch because it's the Shabbos we can't cook, so then we'll just eat whatever we can and just have cold. No, utilize the, the, the blessings that we have, the in technology that we have, to make Shabbos even more, more enjoyable. Have a, a slow cooker cooking so you can have a nice hot lunch even on Shabbos. And they say that it, it is an expression of faith, that eating cholent increases your faith, increase, increases your, your connection to tradition. Uh, many of you will have grandparents who have cholent recipes. Many people uh, will have family cholent recipes. Explore it. Explore different uh, cultures and their different Challenge. We've done it in Shul where we had a challenge cook-off, where we had a challenge from Poland, a challenge from Hungary, a chamin from Morocco, uh, from, from Persia. They're all slightly different, but they all do the same thing. And it, it, it's, it's a, it adds a lot of character to the Shabbos. So explore and find one that you like, uh, find one that, 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 that agrees with you, and, and it enhances the entire experience. It's, it's an important part of Shabbos. Uh, I hope also that clarified some of the laws of cooking on Shabbos, that you are allowed to have food that is continuing to cook if it was cooked before Shabbos. It can remain hot. You cannot put something on your hot plate on Shabbos that was cold. Once you've removed your challant from your hot plate or from your uh, uh, crock pot, you can't put it back on unless you held it the entire time and just scooped some out and put it back because you intended to put it back. You can't put it back after it's been off for a while. So, uh, it's something to keep in mind. Okay, so we've had a beautiful lunch. We've had some discussion, quizzing. We've had our two courses, at least, Chalent. Um, you do the grace after meals, the benching to conclude lunch. And then you have uh, a long afternoon. I've got here, and we're going to do the afternoon next week much more. I've got here, I'm going to send you these links because now you're just looking at them. The first link is a complete Siddur with English instructions. So it's the entire Siddur, this one. Uh, and, and, and the pages that I indicated earlier will be uh, uh, in this, this, in this Siddur. 
The next link is the Parsha text with commentary like the one I showed you. And every week it goes up and you can, you can get that. There's also Parsha Insights. I've got here a beautiful book, a link to a book, an online book that you can, you can print the entire book or, or week by week. And it'll give you something to think about, an article that you can read and think about the Parsha. Um, I've also got a link here to some Kabbalistic articles, things that will help you with your meditation, your morning meditation, if you want to do a study or a meditation. I've got both articles and meditations. And, and of course, Chabad Rog has all of the above and more. If you want to look into various commentaries, the, the, the quiz that I mentioned, it's all found on Chabad Rog. They have a page just on Parsha that has everything that you could possibly imagine that you can print out in advance of Shabbos. And so if, you've, if you follow that program, so you, have a, a, you, you can get up, Leslie, you don't have to get up too early in the morning, but that's going to give you a, a good few hour morning program of morning meditation, of a prayer where you really connect, where you read through the parasha, study it and interact with it. And then you have a nice lunch where you debrief on that. You debrief on the, on the parasha. You look, you look through and see what you connected with, what messages that you learned from it. Quiz yourself to see that you remembered it. And by then, you'll be ready for a bit of a schluff in the afternoon, uh, which we'll speak about maybe next week. Okay, so now I'm going to um, unmute everybody and allow you to ask any question that you may have. So you are unmuted. If you want to mute yourself because there's noise in the background or you don't want to be heard, that's fine. But if anyone has any questions on what we spoke about or anything else, you're welcome to. I'll, I'll just deal with uh, in, in the questions here. Um, in, this, in the chat, I did receive one, which I'll just deal with first. Uh, the question here is, if you finish the morning service at, say, 10.30 a.m. and want to eat lunch, say, at 1 p.m., do you have to say Kiddush shortly after 10.30 a.m.? Or can you wait till 1 p.m. if you don't eat or drink anything? Yes, you can. You, the, the Kiddush is only to, when you want to eat after your prayers, you make Kiddush. Um, but if, let's say, in this example, you finish 10.30 and you're not planning to eat till 1, you don't have to make Kiddush. You can wait till 1 o'clock and make Kiddush. No problem. Any other questions? Yeah, I've got a question about the cholin. Yes. You know how it gets, it gets, um, you put it on on the Friday and then you wake up Saturday morning and you take the lid off. It often can be quite dry. Mm -hmm. I always wonder about that, adding the water, okay. not adding water. Can I stir it? What can I do? Great question. Okay, we'll do, we'll do some important cholin questions. So, um, first of all, um, it is important to put a lot of water in your cholent in yeah. advance, before Shabbos. When you're cooking the cholent, it should have a lot of water in it. If you've made yeah. your cholent early on Friday, um, then it's a good idea just before Shabbos to add some more water to, to mm -hmm. your cholent. Uh, mm -hmm. So, because it does, it does tend to dry out, especially if you're using barley or rice, these things absorb. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you, you need, a, need a lot of liquid. If... And it's happened to all of us who make cholents. We've had that moment where we woke up Shabbos morning and we look at the cholent and it's dried out. Yep. And, and it's, we think it's going to be inedible. And this is because there's a certain unpredictability about the heat of the... Sometimes the crock pot just has a mind of its own and I don't know, whatever. So you cannot add cold water to your cholent mm -hmm. because that would be cooking. Yep. What you can do is you can add hot water, boiling water from, from the urn. your urn into your cholent. Yeah. 
but it's a bit tricky how to do this um, uh, because you can't add it while it's on the heat. You have to remove the cholent from the heat source. Having it on, you're going to put it back on. And yeah. while you're holding it, then get the urn, the hot water from the urn, into your cholent. And then you can put it back on the heat. Right? So, okay, so, you, so you can't just take the urn and put it over the top and turn it on? No, no, you can't do it while it's on the heat. Um, you have to take it off, add it, and then put it back on. And for that, you need three or four hands. If you're alone yep. doing this, it could be dangerous. Um, to, yep. to be putting urns and things like that, you have to be very careful. So the best thing certainly is to make sure there's a lot of liquid in in advance. That'll be much better. Can you stir it? And stirring challenge also, you cannot add to the heat or add to the cooking. And so therefore stirring the challenge while it's on the heat, you can't do. You can only do that after you've taken it off, removed it. Right. From. And and once you take it off and you serve everybody, can you put it back in onto the crock pot? Or is that it? You can only, only with these conditions. If when yeah. you take off the challenge, you had in mind that you're going to put it back on, you intended to put it back on, and yeah. you held the pot the entire time, serve people, yep. then you can put yep. it back on. But if you've oh, left okay. it, you can't put it back. Can, okay. So if you put it back, can you turn it off then at that stage, or you're not supposed no. to turn it off either? No, no. can't turn it off on the Can't turn it off. You leave it on. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So therefore, yep, okay. It stays on, yeah. Yep. It's I'm unmuted now, Josh. Oh, okay. Yes. Sorry about all the cholent questions, but no worries, no worries. Cholent's very important. We don't want to be a heretic, Alicia. No. <laughs> do you have a question? So um, I just want to ask. Um, so you have to be holding it. You can't let go of it. Is that right? This is only if you want to put it back on the on the heat. So if if you if you when you took the the um, pot out of the crock pot, out of the element, right? You removed the cholent from its heat source, but you want to put it back. Let's say you want to have hot cholent later on today, again. Or for whatever reason, you want to put it back on the heat. You can do that as long as you keep your hand on it while you're serving, then you can put it back on. Once you've let go of it, it's off, and it, and it has to stay off. Okay. Is the um, is the homish that the boys were given for their bar mitzvah? Is that the one with the commentary or no? Um, I think. Well, which, I, I, I mean, I think I got a siddur, which is for the prayer book. If I got a homish, um, so usually, usually most most of them will have some type of commentary. But you can see, like I showed you that sheet, you'll see there's the top is the text, the bottom is the commentary. If it's got that bottom bit. Commentary. Right. And you're going to send us those links so we can click it? You can click it and print it and have and have it. It's very generous that they've – it's an amazing book and they've got it all for free online. Wow. Gosh, yeah. Okay. 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 So we're up to now eating the lunch. So we've, that's covering the Saturday morning. Yes. Yeah, so that, that this, takes you, this takes you into the at least into the early afternoon of Shabbos, and then okay. then we've got to get into the rest of Shabbos, the afternoon, which is where it gets a bit hazy. The, the Friday yep. night's very clear what we do. Shabbos morning, we, we've got a, a clear program. What do we do for the rest of the day? And this will particularly be relevant to those who are going into summer. 
and it's a long afternoon. So how do we keep the Shabbos energy going into that? And how do we finish it on a high that will that will speak about God willing next week? So when you finish your lunch, can we can we watch wash the dishes? Because I'm concerned about turning on that hot water. Okay, tap. great question. Great question. What's, what's the yeah, what's the deal with cleaning up? Okay, cleaning up. Cleaning up is a very important one, and, and we'll speak about that. Uh, we'll speak about it now a little bit. So you're not allowed to do something on Shabbos that prepares for after Shabbos. Mm-hmm. You cannot do things on Saturday afternoon for Saturday night or for Sunday. You can't get mm-hmm. things ready for that. that. That is weekday stuff. You can only do things on Shabbos for Shabbos, right? Okay. And even within that, you can't do everything on Shabbos. Like we said, you can't cook on Shabbos. So cleaning up can be done, but there are a few conditions. Number one, the intention has to be that I'm cleaning up for the sake of Shabbos, not for the sake of after Shabbos. So I'm not washing the dishes so I'll have dishes for tonight. I just, if I have dirty dishes sitting around the house, it will stink. It will be unpleasant on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, so if I'm cleaning for the sake of enhancing my Shabbos experience, that it shouldn't be dirty on Shabbos, that is okay. That's condition number one. Condition number two is that um, because that's my intention, I can't clean more than that. In other words, dirty plates I can rinse them off, but to clean it completely and dry it completely and put it away, like that's already going the next stage. Yeah. That's not necessary for Shabbos. You're really doing it for after Shabbos. So a, a basic rinse of, of the dishes, so there's not just smelly food around that should be unpleasant, that's totally fine. And the other thing is hot water is probably going to be a problem because the hot yeah, water in our sink is, is, is cooking. It's, it's bringing hot water out, cold water is mm. coming in, and you're cooking on Shabbos. You're cooking that, that water. Mm. Um, yeah. And use hot water from an urn. If in theory you could, if you wanted to, but I think because we're just rinsing the plates, so rinsing with cold water, just just, just that, it, that there's not sort of food scraps around. That is that is completely fine. Or use paper plates and throw them out. That's another option. That's if you like the environment. <laughs> That's right. You can you can recycle everything. Yeah, yeah. What about so, <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry, go on. You know, you need to do Shema before nine o'clock, right? Okay, that's a that's a that's a good point. That there is a time in the morning that you're supposed to say the morning Shema by. And I advertise it every week in, in our newsletter. Uh, that the morning Shema has to be something that is a morning thing in, in the in the first part of the morning. These days, yeah, around nine o'clock is the sort of cutoff. So you do have to say Shema. So what you can do if you get up a bit later and you're not up to the prayer service, let's say, by 9 o'clock, you can say the Shema separate from the prayer service. So, for example, I mean, every week we start our service at 10 o'clock in shul, when, when we're in shul, and so that's that's almost always after the time of Shema. What I personally do is I say the morning blessings when I get up, I say the Shema, and then I'll eat breakfast and then do the learning and then and then do the, the, the prayer service. So you start the day with the morning blessings and the Shema, before anything else. You said something that after after the prayer you can go for a walk. You actually can swim or exercise in Shabbat. 
Okay, great question. So, swimming is an issue with the, you're not allowed to swim on Shabbos. Um, it's it's considered like a weekday activity, uh, and so therefore we don't go swimming on Shabbos. Exercising, you can exercise on Shabbos uh, as long as you're not exerting yourself. Uh, meaning you can't do heavy exercise that would you know break out a sweat. But to go for a, a walk, even a brisk walk, certainly, to do some stretches, uh, as long as it's an enjoyable thing, um, it's a pleasant thing, you're not exerting yourself or, or pushing hard, um, you know, like schwitzing and sweating and, and that type of workout, you can't do. But just some, some stretches, some, some simple exercises, and certainly walking is, is completely fine. You talk about showers, you're allowed to do hot shower, what's the story there? Okay. Now, now you're getting serious. You're getting to serious questions now. Um, no, because you said about hot water. Absolutely. So, so it, it, it is a problem. Hot water is a problem on Shabbos. And, and so, therefore, certainly you, can, you can't have a hot shower on Shabbos. Um, and I certainly don't recommend using the urn for that. Um, the, the, um, the, as far as a cold shower, so... There are some problems even with a, a cold shower of the entire body on Shabbos. Um, there's problems with squeezing. You cannot squeeze, uh, you know, to dry yourself, dry your hair by, by squeezing. Squeezing on Shabbos is, is problematic. Um, and so you can, you can wash parts of your body in cold water, but to have an, a, an entire shower, even in cold water, you can't on Shabbos. Yeah. That's why in Israel, in summer, the synagogues stink. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to use deodorant on Shabbos, um, that, and probably is recommended. But uh, not, not the spray okay. one. Well, interestingly, you, c you can use a spray one. You, can't spray, you can spray your body with, a, with, a, with a, a scent. You cannot spray your clothes with a scent. Spraying your clothes with the scent is, is considered a type of laundering. Uh, that's, that's how people used to launder. They didn't clean their clothes all the time. They would just sometimes spray them with a, with a nice scent. So you can spray deodorant on, on your body as long as it's not going on your clothes. So you should spray it before you get dressed. You, can't, you can use a roll-on deodorant. You can't use the stick deodorants. A stick deodorant is taking a solid and making it into a liquid by, by rubbing it on. Um, similarly with soap, you can use liquid soap on Shabbos. You can't use a bar of soap on Shabbos because rubbing the bar of soap is taking a solid and making it into a liquid form. So, so for, all, for, all, for your washing purposes, for your self-grooming purposes, so you should have spray deodorant, you should have uh, liquid soap. Oh, okay. I didn't know that about the soap. What about when you push the pumps down, though? Not considered work. No, there's not. It's not considered work because you're not. You're, you're just moving things around. There's nothing. Uh, there's no change involved in there. Um, you're just moving things around, and that's why you know you can turn on a tap, or if you don't mind me mentioning flushing a toilet, you certainly can, yeah. can do that and should. <laughs> Move, that's mo just moving things around. Yeah. So basically, okay. no exercising if you're gonna go to ma to Arvid after. <laughs> you can exercise and then put on deodorant. What's the problem? <laughs> That's what the English do the all their life. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yep. A question so. came in here. Um, how do you use um, the hot plate or Shabbat oven? Can you take cooked food, let them go to room temperature, and then put them on the hot plate or Shabbat oven? Okay. So the hot plate or the Shabbat oven, there's a, there's a Shabbat oven which has a, a constant heat. Some ovens are a problem because we open it or close it, 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 the, it, it causes it to change its temperature. But there's a Shabbat oven that doesn't do that. Um, what that allows you to do is remove something from it on Shabbat. So if you have food in your Shabbat oven before Shabbat, you can leave it in that in that in the oven and take it out on Shabbos. Whereas a regular oven, it's a problem to open the door because that causes the temperature to change or it causes it to function. Um, but you can't put food into it on Shabbat on a plate or a Shabbat. Oven, you can't you can't put food into it um, that is cold. Um, unless that food is completely dry. So, for example, if you, uh, if you have anything that has gravy, that has any liquid, by putting it onto a hot plate, it cooks it up. It cooks up that liquid. Something that's completely dry, like let's say you had a challah, a challah that, you, that it was a bit cold, you got it out of the freezer. You put it on top of a hot plate um, in, in order to, for it to thaw, but it's not, that's, not, that's not cooking. But any other food that has any liquid in it, you cannot put it onto the heat on Shabbos itself. Um, filling up an urn, a question has come in as well. What if you run out of hot water? Can you fill your urn? You can't on Shabbos because then you're putting cold water in and it's getting cooked. That's cooking on Shabbos. So, so you cannot fill an urn on Shabbos uh, with, with cold water and... You could fill it with hot water, but where do you have the hot water from? You can't use it from the tap. Um, you'd have to have another urn. And then why are you filling that urn from that urn? So basically, you need enough water in your urn to last you for Shabbos. You can't, you can't refill it on Shabbos. Okay. Fantastic questions. We might leave it there. And uh, God willing, continue next week with making the afternoon and the conclusion of Shabbos uh, special. So I will send on, on the, uh, we have a little WhatsApp group. If you're not on it, please send me a message um, that just specifically for this, I will send on it all of the resources and the links that you need to make this week's Shabbos morning into a watery experience, a holy watery experience. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Saturday morning now. Great. Something I'm going to, I'm going to try and get, the, if I could get it now to lunchtime, I'll be really happy. If I could do that this week, I'm going to really try. Fantastic. Yeah. Good luck. God bless. Thank you. Have a great week. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. That was really good.